Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard is going to miss extended time after suffering a shoulder injury against the Commanders. The Eagles have not yet decided whether to put him on injured reserve. Goddard is second on the team in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns this season. The injury happened on that missed face mask foul from full body Monday weight. night's full loss. Full body weight. Not a quarterback. Man. Nobody not cares. Good. <clears throat> not good. Not good. And no. And we talked about it yesterday. I wrote about it yesterday. They have to make face mask fouls, and missed face mask calls subject to replay review. We've got our after further review segment coming up later in the program. We'll be talking about plenty of issues that popped up over the weekend. For now, though, let's focus on the injuries. Yeah. With Goddard, how does this affect the Eagles in your review? Zach Ertz, long gone. I remember when they drafted Goddard, it's like, oh, clock's ticking on Ertz. Right. They had both of them for a while, and Ertz is now out for the year as well. But what, what do you think – happens to the Eagles offense minus number 88 well I, you know the, the replacements they have are are kind of unknown I mean it's not guys that we've seen that have had like a legitimate role in the offense to where you go well they'll be okay they play this guy a lot I mean Goddard's pretty special tight end I'm, I'm not gonna say he's you know top three top four you know but he's he's in that top five conversation especially when it comes to pass catching tight ends and yeah, it takes Mike. You know how much we talk about like, hey, that that Eagles offense—they got all the answers, right? You overplay this, they got that, and you know he's so important to their RPOs, their bootleg, their play-action pass game. Wait, we're doubling, you know, AJ Brown. We want to keep a safety over the top of him, man. Devontae Smith, he can fly. Let's keep a safety high over him. Oh wait, now Dallas Goddard's down the middle, so that's where it, it hurts them. But I do think it hurts them on that boot RPO thing where you see, you know, Jalen Hurts keep the ball around the edge. Oh, wait, now there's a guy coming up to tackle me, and he throws it to Goddard out in the flat. Those are the elements they're going to miss. He's a guy that catches that ball and gets 10, 12 yards when he does it. And not all tight ends, you know, have the ability to to be like that after the catch. Jack Stahl and Grant Calcaterra are the two options on the roster. And, again, guys who really haven't established themselves anywhere close to how Goddard has. So another challenge. And, hey, this this is yeah, – It's the first time we've seen them deal with adversity the whole year. Guys getting injured. Yeah. yeah and, and somebody pointed out yesterday, like the Broncos have Billy Turner on IR. They're officially the most injured team in the league, and maybe that helps create an excuse for Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know. But the reality is the more you can avoid injury, the better you're going to be. At the end of the year, you look back at the total missed games due to injury – and, yeah, the healthier you are, the more likely you are to emerge from this morass of teams in the postseason and successful in the postseason. And a lot of it's luck, but I still think it's more than luck. There's it is. Techniques, there's It's a skill well, to keep people healthy. Every week we see guys, as I say all the time, they get twisted up into knots and they pop up and they keep going. Some guys do, some guys don't. And And some of it's unavoidable, but I think some of it is avoidable. Now, what happened the other night, it's – and even if they had thrown the flag, the injury's still happening. You can't make the injury go away just because you penalize right, it. Right. Uh, it happened. He got pulled down. It just adds insult to injury when you don't get a foul that clearly should have been called as a result of the way that he was tackled. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's unfortunate. I don't know if the face mask would have mattered. You know, I mean, as far as I don't think the face mask mattered as far as the guy falling on him and hitting his shoulder, fumbling the ball like we talked about yesterday. I think that the face mask can affect that for sure. Um, but but your point's real about the injuries. We haven't seen Philly really have to deal with this yet. It's going to be kind of interesting to see. Oh, wait, a big part of your team and how you attack, uh, attack teams schematically, 
You know, there's there's a leg chopped away there. Um, but to your point, they're really good, and they should be able to overcome it. And the good teams do overcome it. And whether, you know, we have teams that stay healthy, but we have a team last year, right? Like, wasn't it the Tennessee Titans that broke the record for the most injured players in a season? They were the number one seed. The 49ers, I think they were flirting with that number as well for a while. They were in the NFC Championship game. So, you know, it's part of the business, as you always say, and you got to weather the storm here when you're missing some players, and uh, I think they'll be just fine when all said and done. Uh, the Rams are not fine, no, obviously. No. And to make matters even worse, Cooper Cup suffered an injured ankle on Sunday. Bye-bye. High ankle sprain, had surgery. He will be placed on injured reserve. It's going to take five to six weeks for him to recover. I think at that point, you, just you might just it say down. forget think, it. Right. I think the Rams are at fold the tents and go home season. And I, I mentioned this a couple of times. I kind of joked about it, not really in the power rankings. I, this is a serious question. Aaron Donald needs to be asked, do you regret coming back? And how much does this season impact your willingness to keep playing beyond this year? Because the way that contract that he signed in June is structured, he can retire. He can walk away at any point with limited financial penalty. And uh, it looked like minimum of two years. And then after that, it's even easier to walk away. But I, I think that, I think that uh, he's got to be, he's got to be asking himself this year. If he was thinking last year about calling it quits, for as well as everything was going, and you know you're getting toward the end of it, and you go through a season like this, I, I just, I, I just, he, he usually does media on Thursdays in a week where they they have a game on Sunday. I, I, I think that uh, the question needs to be asked. Yeah, I hear uh, you because th- yeah, this season, they, and and it's it's look, a Super Bowl hangover, whatever you want to call it. They're just written off 10 weeks in. They're not even a factor. No. It's not, well, they almost make it to the playoffs or they get to the wild card round and they lose there. They're just a non-factor, cross them off the list 10 weeks in. And even though they're not mathematically eliminated, you watch them play and you're like, what do they have? Yeah. And if Matthew Stafford, who's still in the concussion protocol, isn't available, and Cup is out, your best <laughs> player on the team by far, your best two easily – all due respect to Aaron Donald, but as of right now, Stafford and Cup are the most important. Cup's gone. It's done. It's just done. Yeah. It, it, it's done it's at this done. point for the, right. for the Rams. I, I'm, I'm with you. I've been saying it. I'm, I'm with you all the way. Mike, I mean, they have the issue like we, we talked about with, you know, I, I can't remember who we were talking about early in the, on the show. You know, they have, a, they have an offensive line where they go on the field and go, oh, no, like, you know, we got no chance today against this group right here. You know, they're gonna, they have a number of those type of matchups as this the end of the season goes here, where you just go, they're, they're not going to be able to block this group. They might not be able to block the New Orleans Saints this weekend. So that you know, you said it. Stafford injured, banged up, concussion protocol. Cooper Cup, best player on the offense, can't play. Wait, we've been asking for somebody else to rise up or show up in L.A. in some capacity on the offensive side of the ball. We don't have that, and they can't run the ball. The defense is good, and Aaron Donald is still really damn good, but they can't carry the team. So uh, I'm, I'm with you in the conversation of the Rams are done. Saints, Chiefs, Seahawks, they got the Packers, Oof. the Seahawks again, Oof. the Chargers. They got the Broncos. You know, They got a lot of tough games well. left on their schedule. Well, the Broncos well, will be a problem because of that defense. So, I mean, and and yeah. right. I'll say this because it's not an NBC game on Christmas night. Woof. <laughs> 4:30 p.m. Eastern on Christmas. Broncos Rams. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. Oof, and hey, right. you know, 
back in back in May looks pretty good. That's the problem. That's the other problem with a long season. The farther removed you get from when they lock in the schedule, the greater the chance that you're going to get a, a a dog of a game when you thought it was going to be a pretty well. Why can't they? Good that's right. So like, why can't they flex things like this too? I mean, it's, it's Christmas. It's well, the one day you want to. Everybody wants to watch a good game. Flex the hell out of this crap. Like they're I mean, going to start. Yeah. One, one of the things that doesn't get discussed much because it isn't relevant yet because it's not happening. ESPN's got a late season flex option in its next contract that hasn't. It doesn't kick in yet, the, though. That, right, that, next year that's or something, coming. right? Yeah, yeah, right. But but it, I think it would be difficult to to move games from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. You got a lot of moving parts. You got a lot of plans that are being made. People I guess are traveling. So. Yeah, I think it would be hard to say we're gonna. But but hey, let's be realistic. And and it's it's easier to do it if you're talking about Saturday Sunday. I think the NFL is hell bent on dropping three games on Christmas any day of the week moving forward. Yeah. I think they I think the Christmas football is here to stay. And you know, it's a little harder to do it on Tuesday, Wednesday. I think they're going to find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Because there's too much money to be made and it's a business. Yeah. We talked about this yesterday. It's still a business. And I got no problem with capitalism. Too much money to be made by taking over that day and telling basketball go take a seat. But but well boy, if they don't destroy the basketball ratings because there's a not very good game in the middle of that window on Christmas, then you're going to have some people asking some questions about, you know, how advisable this is going forward. But I I think that they'll still take their chances because I bet the ratings will still be pretty damn good for Broncos Rams on Christmas day relative to what basketball does. All right. uh, Next injury, Kyler Murray. He is uh, still with a hamstring problem. Cliff Kingsbury said, we'll see how Kyler feels Wednesday and go from there. Hamstring needs rest. Definitely. I've lived long enough to have most of the injuries that we talk about from time to time. I've had ankle problems. I've had calf issues. I had a hamstring that I was determined. I was very active. I'm impressed you had a hamstring. that 30 years ago. I had a hamstring. Well, you know what we used to play? We used to go play touch football. On the weekends, back when I was 27, 28, this was 1992, and, uh, you know, hydration, you're just out there running around, and late in the day, I pulled a hamstring, and uh, it was excruciating. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to drive home. I had, a, I had a, a stick shift at the time. It was my left leg. <laughs> Good luck popping that clutch with a bad hamstring, but um, you got to give it rest. I learned the hard way. You got to shut it down. Yeah. You have to shut it down. Now I wasn't getting treatment on it or anything, but what do you do? It was all black and blue. You know, it was horrible. Yeah. Hurt like hell. Couldn't walk right, and and I kept trying to come back before I could. And for for Kyler Murray, who relies heavily on his mobility, you got to shut him down until he's ready to go. And I, you know, if you want him to ever be the same at any point later this year, you've got to let that thing completely heal. And think about the hamstring that I learned, Chris. You think it's healed? Until you run absolute top end, and then you find out it's not. Yeah, exactly right. That 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 is the problem. You you think, hey, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, but then you get in that ultra competitive situation that you're talking about, and you go, oh, I got to turn it on, I got to dig here, I got to try to turn the corner on this guy, and that's when you realize the hamstring's not ready for prime time, and it goes again. You feel it. Yeah, you feel it. You can feel it just, it just tighten up, right grab. There. Exactly yeah. right. It's like a. 
It's almost like a cramp in your hang- hamstring, but you can feel it's worse than that, and something's not right. And then that's that's the at least the way I would describe it. But uh, we'll see where it goes. I'm not really worried. I don't know. You know, again, Cole McCoy is one of the better backups in all of football. There's no question about that. And he's a guy that played last year and beat the 49ers in San Francisco. I believe that was in San Francisco. I'm pretty sure. So um, they, they shouldn't feel like they have to rush rush him back. And and Colt McCoy, I mean, he he played good football last weekend. So there's no reason to panic here and throw Kyler Murray back out there. And for as bad as the vibe is around that team, they're four and six. They're right. not done. They got the same record as the Green Bay Packers through ten games for crying out loud. Here is Cliff Kingsbury talking about Colt McCoy, specifically why his teammates like him so much. I think he can relate to, to anybody. I mean, he carries himself in a very humble manner, and um, he's always trying to get better, and he, he loves the game as much as anybody I've been around. I mean, he wants to talk to DBs about techniques that give him trouble and linebackers about how he's going to use his eyes on certain coverages. I mean, he'd be a phenomenal coach um, if he wanted to, or he could run for governor of Texas and be just as good. So he's kind of got the gamut covered there. But I think just he's, he's a man's man. He's an everyday type person, and he carries him that way. And, um, you know, just wants to help people and, and help the team be better. There's kind of a Geno Smith vibe with Colt McCoy. Yeah. Guy who was a starter. Yeah. And then just becomes career backup and is just kind of there. You forget about him. When his number gets called, he shows up and he gets it done. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that his ship is ever going to come in. But, Chris, you know, it's a copycat league. Maybe you're going to have some coaches and GMs and owners looking around saying, Where, where's a, where's a Geno Smith hiding in plain sight? Oh, it's Colt McCoy. And uh, wouldn't that be something if he, if he somehow forges a path to be a starter somewhere based upon how he performs in this moment and how he performed last year, but it was overlooked. Exactly. I think it's less overlooked now that Geno Smith – has done what he's done for the Seahawks this year. So yeah. this is critical for Colt McCoy, for him to keep playing and playing well if if, my, if Kyler Murray's going to miss more time. He, he's got those capabilities to be that guy at least to where, I mean, if a team was like, well, we don't know what to do at quarterback and, you know, we're probably going to draft one, but we don't want to play him right away. You know, we'll see. Maybe Colt McCoy can be our guy for a year or two. Like, I, I think he fits that mold. I don't think his talent is, is that of Geno Smith, but he knows how to play. And he's not like it's not like his talent is like oh man well no you can't do that with Colt McCoy he can't throw the ball there he can't he got it he has it all he's a good athlete he's smart like he's talking to, like Coach uh, Cliff Kingsbury was talking about you know there, there's no throw on the field he can't make so he doesn't limit the offense that way and and that you know that that's that's where the positives are let alone you know Colt an ex Texas quarterback he does he's got some leadership some human qualities. You know, that I think rub off on a team. And you and I, let's be serious. We know that's the one thing that Cliff, I mean, that, that we hear that's our complaints about Kyler Murray. Not everybody on the team that is on the team or that has played in Arizona with Kyler Murray has loved Kyler Murray. That is definitely an issue there. So, you know, he does bring that to the table for, for the Cardinal football team as, as far as Colt McCoy is concerned. No one has come out and said it on the record, but you and I have both heard that there From are many people teammates yeah. who just – and look, I, I've i always had an affinity for Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. I think he's shy. I think that's that's a lot of it. I think so, but too. But at some point – at some point, like I was shy at one point, painfully, awkwardly shy. At some point, you got to evolve past that if you're going to be who you're meant to be. Right. And at some point in that job – you have got to find a way to 
develop and mature and the clock's ticking and it may be running out on Kyler Murray. You can be, you know, every bit of 21 or 22 and kind of uncertain and protective. And this is a new world for me. And I was going to play baseball and I'm still kind of finding my way among these giants. Here I am, 5'10", and I, I, you know, I don't really know how I fit into this. I'm going to keep my mouth shut my first couple of years, which is smart. But at some point, you got to come out of the yeah. shell. Jalen Hurts point, is you shy. More engaged. He's at some point. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I mean, you're, go ahead. Jalen Hurts is shy, and he's a guy that you know. Again, I think has evolved, like you're talking about, and then does all the other things to where okay, he's shy, but man, we see his work ethic and his determination and all of those things, and then you know, all of a sudden. He's making comments to you a little bit like a leader would. Hey, I think the team's adopted my mentality. He's breaking down the huddle, talking about Kelsey has, you know, given him ownership of the team. And hey, it's your team. You're the leader now. You know, so he's obviously done some of those things to where, you know, I think he's a naturally quiet, shy guy too. But, you know, he did evolve and he realized, you know, what he had to do to kind of, you know, earn some, some pelts on the horse and whatever else, and now he's a leader and, and have just the, the right touch with it. Kyla Maria does not seem like has that quite yet. And look, I'm completely unqualified to make these connections, but what the hell, that's never stopped me before. Shy flows from something, whether you're humble, whether you're deferential, whether you're just flat out afraid of yeah, sure. not being able to handle the social situation. Yeah. What am I going to say? Am I going to make myself look like an idiot? It's the old Mark Twain saying, it's Better to keep your mouth shut and be perceived an idiot than open it and confirm it. Like, there's all sorts of <laughs> reasons why you don't say anything. <laughs> right. And at some point, if you're going to be a quarterback in the NFL, you've got to. It goes with the job. That's part of the position. Tom Brady explaining a few weeks ago why he's the one yelling at the offensive lineman. That's what quarterbacks do. The receiver doesn't do it. The running back doesn't do it. The quarterback's job as the leader of the team, the coach on the field, is to go out there and do it. Now, we saw Kyler Murray blow a little bit of a gasket a few weeks ago against Cliff Kingsbury, and we liked it. We did. We liked it. it, Show us something. Give us a little fire. Give us a little emotion. Show us that you give a damn. That's been kind of the idea because that's the problem. Shy gets confused with aloof. Shy gets confused no with fire. complacent. Right. Shy right. gets com- confused with, I just want to go home and play Call of Duty. Yes, I, I, I agreed with you. You're right. It's, 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 you know, you can be quiet and humble, but shy is a different type of thing. And that usually doesn't mean, you know, you're a leader and taking the bull by the horns and saying what needs to be said in certain situations. So, uh, uh, again, hopefully we're, we're going to see that. Uh, I did. I thought that was a good thing we saw on Thursday Night Football a few weeks ago. Uh, Kyler Murray is one of those guys, in a lot of ways, you like that he's always even keeled. But, you know, like you're saying, you, you, every now and then something needs to be said. you got to put the hot poker on some guys here and, like, what the hell are we doing? Um, and, you know, and then you talk about the rumors of the video games and contract and we got to watch a certain amount of film and you hear things and the rumors and everything like that. Yeah, it lends us to, to, to believe that, yeah, there's some work to, to do in that department. And, and look, to be as successful as you can be in an inherently team sport, you can't be aloof and standoffish and isolated. You've got to have connections, real human connections with your teammates. You know, if you, you get together and – and, and, you know, have dinner, come to the house, hang out, watch TV, do whatever. Yeah. You get more comfortable with these people that you're playing football with all the time. And, and that leads to positive things as well. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. Wasn't it Juju Smith-Schuster talking about how they developed 
trust in each other by playing video games, sure. talking online, playing yeah. Call of Duty with Patrick Mahomes. And there's all sorts of ways. And, and you, can, you can do the thing that Kyler Murray likes to do. There's a way to do it and involve your teammates and your coworkers and get to the point where you're comfortable with them and they're comfortable with you. And we're not hearing all these things about how guys wanted out of Arizona in part because they, they just can't relate to their quarterback. It's not a matter of like or dislike. You just got a guy that you feel like you can't relate to. Yeah, I think that's, that's the issue. And you know what? To, to bring it back to the Vikings, because I keep finding ways to bring everything back to the Vikings. We can see that. I think, I think Kirk Cousins is becoming a guy that his teammates can relate to. Uh-huh. And, and maybe it's because he's not constantly doing battle with his head coach that, now. Uh, that's definitely an issue. That he can You're kind right. of soften up and focus on cultivating relationships him. with his teammates. Right, right. I, I, I don't disagree with you there. You're right. Yeah, and he went from, you know, wait. Well, yeah, I think a lot of that. You know, there was the rumors there that Zimmer didn't really want him. We knew there was some friction there. So you've never empowered the quarterback to be the leader of the team in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, uh, we're seeing, yeah, there's a different vibe in that building altogether. You called it in the spring, and I give you a lot of credit, and it shows. That's the number one thing Kevin O'Connell's brought. Yeah, the offense is better. We know that. It's a little more creative, but not to the point where I'm like, oh, whoa, this is crazy. But the attitude of the football team is the biggest thing that jumps out and that there is a, a closeness and a camaraderie and a belief like you're talking about, and that is powerful and real and tangible in NFL football, especially in football of all sports, to where teams can rally and start to believe in each other and play for each other and think they can pull out any situation. We need to take a break, but this is an important point someone told me several years ago that has stuck with me. Some quarterbacks, but not many, are natural-born leaders. The Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, right? The, the, the Russell Wilsons who come in and take over. I don't know how well it's working in Denver, but you know what I mean? The attitude yeah. of, I, I'm here. I've got that, that aura about me as I walk through the door. Right. For the rest of them, it's on the team to make the rest of the players think that that's who this guy is. The team's got to prop him up. If the guy doesn't naturally walk through the door with that vibe, the coaching staff has to give him that vibe so everyone else believes he has it. That's the key, and I think that may be what's happening in Minnesota right now. Speaking of Minnesota, you may see them in the upper reaches. Oh, I wonder. I wonder where we'll see them. (laughs) Well, I've had them way too low for far too long, and now I'm drinking the purple Kool-Aid, although I hate using that phrase because it did not end well for the people who drank the kool-aid we'll unveil this week's power rankings when pfg live continues right after this They fake a jet action. Mahomes wants to throw the ball, slings it wide open, right side. Kadarius Tony walks the tightrope. Touchdown! Kansas City, is it football or gymnastics? Kadarius Tony lands it for a gold medal and his first National Football League touchdown. He doesn't know why. Get formation and a cop that pass off. Oh, interception. Here we go, boys. Let's get off this field. There's the shotgun snap to Fields. He's back. Fields looking. Fields pressured. Fields hit from behind. He's going down. No, he stayed up. Fields, no, he's going down. Get him down. Get him down. Sacked. Three tries. Third time was the charm. 
Julian Okwara finally took him down. Hump day homers from week 10. Oh, boy, Paul Allen's going to be upset. Yeah, right. Didn't even make it. Biggest game of the year. He phased him out of the show. What a jerk you are. But he's going to be happy. You assume that I'm handpicking those sound bites? But he's going to be happy. (laughs) There's a new sheriff in town, and their name is the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, they bump up to number one. And please, can we stop with the Eagles beat the Vikings in week two? Can we stop with that, please? It's right now. They didn't play this week. If they had played this week, it would be different. The Vikings have won seven in a row. They just had their signature road win, their biggest victory away from home since 1998 when they beat the Packers on a Monday night in Lambeau Field. You bump up to number one when you're riding a seven-game winning streak and you're coming off of that vibe. I mean, who else would the number one team be right now? They have one loss. They've won seven in a row. And they went to Buffalo and beat the Bills. The number two team lost at home to the Bills. How could you not put the Vikings at number one? Chris, what am I missing? Who would be number one right now if not the Vikings? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, it's, it's hard to argue that. You could still argue the Eagles could be one. You could still argue the Chiefs could be one, too. You know, again, I'd how like- could you let that? How could you? But if the Eagles lost, how do the Eagles lose and stay at number one? How, that 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 can't be. Well, that oh, can't be. yeah, I, I understand. Well, you know, you you can have a bad night of football, and in totality, and where you believe they are. I mean, you could still justify and say, well, I think if the Eagles and the Vikings play, I'm going to take the Eagles. I'll argue again. I mean, you said it earlier in the show. You would have never. It's not a predictive tool. I know it's not you're a not. Predictive tool. I know. I know. I get that. I'm know? a predictive tool. Well, it, oh yeah, you're a tool. All right. That's that's for sure. We're just trying to figure out what kind you are. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't I think you could have that argument. And I know you do it a different way. But at the same time, too, I still think if you the Chiefs and the Vikings played, you're going to take the Chiefs to win that football game. So that's where I'd argue with you. And uh, that that's the only thing I'll say. But I have no problem with them being the number one. I like your top 10. I don't really have as far as your top 10. I, it's hard to argue really the order in which it all lays out or anything that I would have a real problem with as far as what I look at and go, oh, man, well, that's stupid or egregious or anything like that. And I don't know if I would have made the Eagles all the way down to three. I maybe would have kept them at two. Um, but I like like, you know, like we're talking about, I can understand the Chiefs being at two. The Chiefs are the Chiefs and we know they're special. Uh, I think he did a pretty good job. It's 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 interesting. It really is. That page right there, it's 16 teams and they're all playoff caliber football teams and two of them will not be of course so that that's where it's going to be fun this this last half of the year well and there are your giants at number four you got to be happy about that who would have ever dreamed never that this team with a bad roster that was inherited by joe shane and brian dayball the new gm and head coach respectively would get whipped up into what they currently have but they have been great and they're just doing it very quietly and methodically but there they are at seven and two currently in second place in the division, and they still have two opportunities against the Philadelphia Eagles to, to try to match up with them and show that, that maybe they are the better team, and right now they're just one spot behind Philly. They got Dallas one more time, Washington twice, Philly twice. They certainly have a chance to make a run at this. Play Detroit this week, you know, a game that we certainly look as winnable, uh, but uh, winnable. Uh, you know, that's the Giants are unique a little bit. You know, and, and the fact that the game has to be played a certain way, and yeah, they're not great, and the schedule is falling the right way for them. 
you know, a little like Minnesota that way to where I don't know if I really believe they're the fourth best team in football. I don't believe that. I'm just going to tell you that. In fact, I, I think a lot of the teams that are below them there on your power rankings are better than them, but they continue to play the right way and be a pain in the butt. But we'll get, a, I think, more of a real feel for them down the stretch and see how legit they are. Um, but, man, I, I'm, I'm excited for that Thanksgiving Day. That's going to break the regular season ratings record. 4.30, Cowboys-Giants, wow. both big-time NFC power players on Thanksgiving. Wow, that might break the meter. It's Well, but, but it's not going to be like Giants-49ers, Monday Night Football 1990, or Bears-Dolphins, no. Monday no. Night Football 1985. Those days are gone. But right. last year, Raiders-Cowboys on Thanksgiving in that middle spot did 40.8 million. Wow. I got 45 as the over-under I hear you Giants-Cowboys. Right. And... And I think Vikings hosting Cowboys this weekend, which CBS gets on a cross flex, is is going to be a pretty big number. the The biggest number of the season came on Sunday at Lambeau Field. Cowboys Packers twenty nine point six million. That's the highest audience of any game so far, and one of the top fifteen TV broadcasts of the year. And it's just a regular season game in the middle of the season. So Giants Cowboys is going to be gigantic. And hey, look, the whole day. Bills Lions. I mean, the Lions. That that that. It's a captive audience. There's going to be big numbers for that game. You throw the Bills into it, it's even bigger. Giants Cowboys is going to be through the roof. And then the nightcap is Vikings Patriots. I remember when they announced the schedule? We're like, why are they doing? Why is it? I mean, Thursday Thanksgiving night. Can't you find two better teams? Nope. That's a pretty damn good game now all really of a sudden good. on NBC on Thanksgiving night. So yeah. that whole day is going to be crazy, and it's just eight days away. No, it is. It's gonna, it, I, I can't wait. It's my favorite holiday of the year, certainly. But we got, we got one more week of play here, and we got some interesting matchups. Anywhere where you were, like, really not sure in that top half of your power rankings where there was a point where, oh, I should make this team maybe a few spots up. Anybody that, like, you know, you were kind of unsettled about? I wasn't sure how far to drop the bills. Mm. That was that was my that was my dilemma. But you compare them to each one, right? Like th- there are the Dolphins. The Dolphins beat the Bills. So I and the Dolphins, uh, you know, right now have a little bit of a be- better vibe to them. Yeah. Um, and they have the same record, same number of losses, and they beat them. So I can't have the Bills in front of the Dolphins. And then you get down around the Jets. And, and I, at first I had the Bills 8 and the Jets 9, and the Jets didn't play, and they bumped from 10 to 9. But it's like, wait a minute, I can't have the Jets in front of the Bills. They just beat them a week and a half ago. So I did that last flip. The Jets bumped 2 without even playing. The Bills fall 4. But the problem is you start comparing them to these other teams in that first column, and it's hard to justify putting them ahead of them after seeing them lose two in a row. Yeah. They've lost two in a row. Two games they should have won. They're They're blowing big leads. And, you know, they... When they finally beat the Chiefs, I think that was when they got past this idea of not being able to win close games. They still are not very good in one-score games. They are not very good at all in one-score games. And uh, that's something they've got to get figured out, or they're not getting to the Super Bowl. If they don't figure that out, how to win these close, tough, hard-fought games and not maybe be so predictable in their passing game when Josh Allen breaks the pocket, which Patrick Peterson has broken down very well, they're going to have a hard time advancing to the Super Bowl. So, but that's the one that gave me the most pause, dropping them to number nine, four spots down from where they were. Yeah, I I, I understand it. You know, I mean, 
And and really, in in both games they've lost the last two weeks, I'd, I'd go. I I don't know if you didn't show me the scoring plays and I just watched the game and didn't know. I'd go. Well, the Bills won. I mean, there's times watching that game back yesterday. I mean, I watch a Minnesota. I, I, if you asked me in the beginning of the fourth quarter, mid, I'd go. Well, the, the Bills are up by thirty, aren't they? They're up by thirty. Like they're they're doing whatever they want. They can't be stopped. They're going up and down the field. But it is. It's mistakes. It's too loose. It's, you know, rookies doing dumb things, not knocking balls down. R- Josh Allen, dumb interceptions. You know, they got, a, they got a little bit of – they got the bug right now, and they got to cure themselves of that virus there. Um, I still think they're a team that's going to be in this top three or four when all said and done, but they just have hit that rough patch of the year, and we'll see how quickly they can turn it around and get rid of this, you know – virus they got of dumb crap uh, that they've been doing lately they did beat the Ravens in a one-score game week four and then two weeks later the Chiefs in a one-score game week six uh, but they, they've lost two in a row by three points um, and uh, that that is a trend they're going to have to turn around a couple of quick questions before we take a break Faison Rafal or Faison Rafay 87 who's the one team you don't want the Vikings playing in the wild card round uh, without question the Green Bay Packers Without question, because there'll be a bunch of cheeseheads in the stadium. That's not a very long trip. It's a border war. If the Packers find their way into the postseason field and it's two versus seven, Vikings versus Packers, that that's the one that concerns me. It's a division rival, any division rival. I mean, Bears, Packers, or Lions, you don't want to face them in the playoffs ever because they know you well. They're not intimidated, and they would take no greater pleasure than in knocking you out and ending your so-called special season. But Aaron Rodgers, I believe, will be very dangerous if he gets in. And, yeah, that's the one team, Chris, that I think the Vikings should not want to see yeah. in the wild card round or in any round. Yeah, it's scary. Well, listen, Tom Brady's a team you wouldn't want to see. Well, I, I, listen, I, I'm sitting here going, I don't think Minnesota wants to see anybody other than the Giants, right? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm one that's going to sit here and go, if San Francisco comes to town, you guys are losing. If Dallas comes to town, you're losing. If Tampa comes to town, you're losing. So that's I'm that guy. I'm Minnesota hater, I guess. Market, it's official, so Courtney, it'll work well market, down the stretch. Save it. Yeah. Market, yep, save it. Yep. You need the Old Giants to come to town or somebody like that uh, because I think you're in trouble with a lot of teams coming to town. That shamrock up all 53 of your players' asses is going to fall out, fall out at some point. <laughs> but but that's but I thought so too, and I thought that point was this past weekend. And what happened was the shamrock got big; it's impacted. It can't be removed. It's there for the rest of it's the year. Forever. That's what happened on Sunday. It yeah. changed everything. It changed my perspective, and I was as gloom and doom, down in the mouth. It won't last. Their ceiling is the divisional round. They'll win just enough games to get to the playoffs, and maybe they'll get a home game in the wild card round, and they'll win that one, and then they'll go on the road to Philadelphia or Dallas or somewhere and get the crap kicked out of them. And I, how can you still feel that way after seeing what happened on Sunday? And maybe you say, well, they just got lucky. But at some point, luck becomes who you are. Luck manifests itself. And, and like, like I've said all week, the players believe. Man, luck gonna ain't going to get it done. Luck ain't going to win a Super Bowl. It's not, it's not just luck. It's not just luck. It's a belief that you can fight through any and all adversity and you don't get the the and and look and th- this is my son and I were talking about this the other night because the the people who are the most unaffected by decades 
of Omamshiba moments for Vikings fans where the hearts ripped out and shown to you are the players and the coaches. They don't have that history. No, they don't, they don't care. They don't have that connection. They're not worried about it. They don't it. care about that. Right. So, so they're impervious to the stuff. And it's, it sets up a great juxtaposition. The fan base is like, here it comes, here it comes. And the players and the coaches are like, here, what comes? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, right. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know, know those guys from 25 yeah. years ago. I wasn't alive. Yeah, yeah. We don't, <laughs> I wasn't alive. Yeah. What are you talking about 1998? Right. I was born in 1999. <laughs> right. So right. Um, it's crazy. It really is. Uh, on, the, on that same point, at Bill Stink, <laughs> could, the, could the 49ers be the most dangerous team come playoff time? Yes, with one big asterisk. Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm. That's my one concern. Health of key players, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Because, Chris, we saw it last year in the playoffs. You can count on Jimmy G to eventually do a Jimmy G thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we, 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 we you're right. We saw it in all three games, really, in all three. Dallas, I mean, they were up 24-7. to He missed a wide-open Ayuk that's going to put the ball. I mean, he's got nobody around him. He's going to run down to the five-yard line, if not the touchdown. Then threw a dumb interception like the next, the next series later. Nail-biter. Green Bay, we saw him throw that dumb interception at the end of the first half, running backwards, like acting like he's Josh Allen trying to throw a ball in the back corner of the football. And then, of course, yeah, the Rams game. He is the question. You know, maybe that's where, you know, again, we look at it, the Christian McCaffrey thing doesn't make it about his right arm as much and him having to do that. So we'll see where that goes. He played good the other night. But even playing good the other night, there's a sense of – you know, they still have to manage them and they can't just let it go like some other good teams can with their quarterback because he doesn't have a great arm. He's not very good at throwing the ball outside the numbers and he'll do Jimmy G things that way. So the 49ers are, it, it's about team football. That's what's interesting about the NFC is there's, there's more teams as compared to the AFC where it's quarterback centric and we play just around that. But man, I mean, the 49ers are the number one defense in football. And they're not even healthy. And I just go, man, if Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw get back, I mean, watch out. Moving the ball on them is going to be a, a struggle. And uh, we know that offense will continue to get better as Shanahan plays with it more and more. The 49ers are the subject of one of the important calls we're going to look at on After Further Review, a Wednesday tradition. We're going to take a break, and on the other side, we'll take a look at a handful of important decisions made or not made by the officials during Week 10. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. What does your tell you on the Drake Greenlaw play? And do you feel like he should have been ejected? No, I don't think so at all. kind of actually blew my mind. Um, I understand the penalty. Um, I, I totally get that right at the third down marker. He was on his shoulder, but um, I got to learn what that is. I, I, I get how it is with the penalties and stuff because um, I, I think he did hit his helmet. I haven't seen a replay, or we'll see when I get home tonight and watch it again. But um, I, I didn't know you got – I thought there had to be intent and something unnecessary, and that was a big play right there. And for us to lose Greenlaw for the whole game off that, I mean, I had that, that really shocked me. So hopefully they – can teach us that so we can understand why we lost one of our players. Kyle uh, Shanahan. He was having like a nervous twitch restrained? there. Like he still couldn't believe it, restrained? right? Yeah, right? He was well, like, he wanted to blow a gasket and be like, what the, and just go off. And and he had every right to be perplexed. I, we were saying 
it shouldn't even be a foul. I don't even think it should have been a penalty. It's not even going to be a penalty. And it ends up being an ejection. Now, the call is that... And and see, the problem is they don't call this consistently enough that it screams out to us when it happens. The penalty was for lowering the helmet and making forcible contact, a rule that they adopted back in 2018 that is inconsistently called because they find a lot of guys that did it that we never know about because they don't call it. And then when they call it, they don't even explain it well enough. The officials don't make it clear that that's what it is. I think they're embarrassed they don't call it as much as they should because it happens all the time. We see offensive players do this all the time. They don't know how to explain it because they don't even know what they saw. They just saw, well, whoa, he got hit hard. I got to throw a penalty. I don't know why, but it just he got hit hard and he was the quarterback. That's where it's it's stupid. It's disgusting. I don't know. Drake Greenlaw's not headhunting. He's getting low. He's bracing himself for a guy that's 245 pounds coming to. He's got to tackle him. And then, I mean, if you want to fault anybody who's wrong on this, Jimmy Ward's the only guy that leads with the helmet and does it. Number one. I mean, here's the guy that if you want to bet a penalty, it's on that guy. Not the guy you ejected who was going to hit you with his shoulder, but then, okay, the quarterback got put on him a little quicker because the guy who actually tried to lead with the crown of his helmet hit him before Greenlaw did and knocked him into Greenlaw before he was ready or could put himself in the right position. It's, it's pitiful. It's pitiful. And, again, there, there's there's 100 plays we could show of running backs being hit like this. There's another 100 plays I could show you of running backs lowering their crown of their helmet and hitting people. And and it's not called, but it was the quarterback, and it was a standalone game, and it just looked violent. And New York had to get involved, and that's just the way it is right now. And it it absolutely sucks. Can we put that back up? It's the explanation from senior VP of officiating, Walt Anderson. Down by, it was down by contact for for point zero 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 one of a second. Yeah. Okay. His knee hit. Okay, Matt. Dre, Dre Greenlaw was already committed. Was already committed to to trying to tackle the guy. He's a runner at that point, and they tell us all the time, "Well, it's going to be different now. We're not going to have this protective shell around quarterbacks who decide to become runners." That's the risk you assume. That's the risk every Bull running crap. back assumes. Bull crap. That's the risk of deciding to take the football and run through a cluster of bodies that are typically bigger and stronger than yours. That's what happens. So I just don't get it. And Chris, you know, this is the problem with the rule. I don't want to make this all about the rule, but the rule is impractical. The rule wasn't crafted by football people. It was an amalgamation of health and safety, PR, and legal. And it it's like you, you got to be the headless horseman out there. To, how do you play football? You have a helmet on your head. How do you do things on a football field? How do you approach and tackle a guy and be 100% certain that your helmet is never going to be part of your effort to make a, a rugby-style shoulder tackle? The target is always moving. You're always moving. There's no intent. Like you said, it's not headhunting. Jimmy Ward, great point. He was the one that was going in like a missile helmet first. Drake Greenlaw is just trying to put the guy on the ground. No, exactly right. And if that was Austin Eckler or if it was, you know, Christian McCaffrey and they got hit like that, nobody would be talking about it. They wouldn't talk about it. But it was the quarterback. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling and you. In a standalone game. It's, I'm telling you. It's the Juju Smith-Schuster non-call. We're going to talk about that play in a minute. Yeah. The outcry. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, are they really protecting us? That quote was out there, and they got enough people in that operation. They know about that. They're paying attention to things. They're seeing how people are reacting in real time. They're on social media just like anybody else. What are they saying about this? What are they saying about that? And that creeps into it. 
You got Marquez Valdez-Scantling publicly saying, are they really protecting us? Here's an opportunity to show we're really protecting. It's a decision that's made like that. We got to eject him. You're ejecting him for something you rarely ever call. You're going to eject him for this, something that wouldn't even be thrown, like we said, on a running back. That was shocking bizarre. and making shocking. it more bizarre, making it more bizarre. Uh Eric Kendricks did Let, something to Josh Allen. Let's do it. Looked right? a lot like what? A lot like what? What happened with? Why didn't he get Justin ejected? Oh, oh, there wasn't even a yeah. penalty. Why? Why? I mean, gosh, that was more head hunting than the other hit. But what? Josh Allen's helmet didn't come up discombobulated, and this wasn't the only game on TV, so we don't care. You know, that's it's it's just wrong. It's all over the place. It's stupid. I don't know what to say. That was worse. No, nothing. No penalty. Nobody talks about it. Nothing. It's it's and it's not just it, it, it. Eric Kendricks is in there, but somebody else hit him too, helmet to helmet, as he was going down. But this is this is the curse of being the Jolly Green Giant. You jump right up. You're fine. You're unaffected. Double you're hit to the head. Double hit yeah. to the head. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, uh, Herbert's like, damn, he's just a few feet over the beanstalk with Josh Allen too. I mean, he's a damn Jolly Green Giant as well. But, yeah, you're right. This is because he, he just pops up, and they've already seen him do it a few times. Oh, so what? The 21 speared him, and, and that 50, you know, 54 tried to rip his head off as he was on the ground with the knees on the ground just like Justin Herbert. I mean, knees were on the ground. He was down by contact, Matt. With Matt, he was down by contact. I don't want any of those Who's calls. Matt? Matt, Matt Barrow, who sent out that last, you know. No, he was passing along. Oh, he's a pool reporter. That's right. That's court. right. My bad. I got it right in. Either way, he's Matt the passed messenger. out along. Okay, Matt's sorry. Just the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> hey, All right. but you know what? Here, yeah. And here's the thing. Here, and this is unusual. Right. The NFL handles this. They won't tell you who's fined. They don't list. They don't list the, the players. No, because they don't want. They you take away money from question. everybody now. Yeah. You have to ask the question. Was so-and-so fined? Yes or no? You'll, then, then they'll answer you. Yes or no? They'll tell you whether or not they were fine. So I got I got four here that I'm going to ask about. Greenlaw clearly is going to be fined. Is Jimmy Ward going to be fined for going in right. hot right. moment first? Right. Is 21 and 54 from the Vikings? Yeah. Are they going to be fined? Right. For that Josh Allen play, it wasn't flagged. Right. And, you know, but for us talking about it, Chris, I bet nobody would have even thought no. that it's an issue. Well, I, I th- we'll, yeah. f- we'll find out come Saturday. That's how it works. And I'm making my list, and I'll check it twice, and I'll make sure that we ask the right people at the league office whether or not those guys got fined. But that's, that's what they're doing with this helmet rule. They miss it, but they get them on the back end. They take money out of their pocket on the back end. But how is it going to change behavior? How is it going to affect anything? Uh, because you're, you're just you're playing football. And, and the guy chooses to become a runner. And if that had been a running back, it's not even a point of conversation. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's Juju Smith-Schuster's hit. And this was one that was a penalty, and then it wasn't. And uh, let's take a close look at it and see helmet to helmet or shoulder to shoulder. Sometimes it's a clean hit that just looks vicious. Yeah. And, and that, you know, the outcome makes it look worse than it is. Gosh. I can't tell whether or not there's helmet to helmet. Let's there, see. There is. It, it, there, there is, is. and it's, is. it's initiated by Juju Smith-Schuster. This is where it's a yeah. very interesting to me. And, I, you know, I wish we could show the All-22 film here. This is, if we could slow this down, because he takes, for, this is a really good conversation. It's borderline three steps he takes before he gets hit. You know, you can be ticky-tacky and does he have the ball and is that foot on the ground. It's definitely two steps. You could talk, it's three. Andre, I mean, Andre Sisco here was friendly. I mean, that was friendly. 
He stopped his feet and just turned his body. He could have ran through Juju Smith-Schuster and ruined his year and ruined his career. He stopped, tried to turn his shoulder. Juju Smith-Schuster lowered the crown of his helmet. helmet. Turned his helmet. He, tri- he did not hit him with he, his helmet. No, Juju right. Smith-Schuster led with the crown of his helmet and hit Andre Sisco in the side. If anybody's to blame here, it's just Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball and getting his receiver killed. They're, they're, you, you, this is football to me. Again, and there's repercussions for when your quarterback makes a tough, tough, tight decision down the middle like that. It's a great point because there is helmet-to-helmet contact, but it wasn't initiated by Cisco. Cisco went in with his shoulder, turned his head away. Doing all he can do, short of short of Ichabod Crane right. moving, or not? It wasn't. It was the guy chasing Ichabod yeah, that, Crane, removing his head, right, the headless putting horseman. it under his arm. Right. The only way right. you avoid. Having the guy hit you in your helmet is to, t- you can't. He turned his head away from it and Juju Smith Schuster put his head into him. I don't, I don't know what you do there other than get out of the guy's way. I don't I, either. I don't know what you do. I, I don't know either. I don't. And, you know, there was another violent hit on like the next or drive or, or take two. his knees out. Right. Or well, take his knees out. Exactly right. Which you know? nobody wants. No, exactly right. You know, it's just, again, that's, it's unfortunate. I don't like to see it. You know, I love Juju Smith-Schuster and the human being he is and love to see him out there and playing. But damn, I don't, you know, I don't know what Andre Sisko is supposed to do there. You know, that was, that was, he was nice. I mean, he really was. He could have really, he could have really knocked Juju Smith-Schuster into next month. Could you imagine 1985? Right. That's a, that's a knock. It's a decapitation. like that, can right. you imagine that? It's literally the headless horseman. It will be lit, like happening on the field. I know. So that's where, again, we've lost touch with reality there. And it's, 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 it's just, I, I don't know how you eliminate that. And I'll give credit to the referees there. That was the proper thing to do to pick up the, the flag, in my opinion. He got two steps on the ground for sure. We could argue a third. And he is the one that lowered his head to strike Cisco in the side. Cisco turned, tried to give the shoulder, and stopped his body and didn't even run through the target. Was very nice. So uh, uh, again, I, I know the Chiefs guys are going to stick up for their players here. But if the roles are reversed, the Chiefs defensive players would be going, you know, what am I supposed to do? So that that's where you know, again, it, it's 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 a tough situation. We were talking about this in the viewing room on Sunday too. The loose rule of thumb is the player is defenseless until the catch is complete. So if it had been a catch, he's no longer defenseless, and then it would have been a fumble. But that's the bubble. That bubble of defenseless receiver applies until you've had the ball long enough for it to be a catch but even then if the player is moving toward you that's a great point the NFL's got to wrestle with this one how how are you supposed you're supposed to get out of his way and or take out his knees you're supposed to just stand down and let him make the catch even if he's moving toward where you already are I'm telling you I think they need to start finding the quarterbacks I that's what I think you need to start doing here I really do. I don't know. That, to me, would be the best way. Quarterbacks are getting free passes for getting ke- people killed all over football now. That, this That's used what Tom to, Brady said last year. Remember that? Yes. It, it rewards bad play. Exactly. It encourages quarterbacks to throw into spots where they shouldn't. There was unwritten rules when I was growing up and we were watching footballs in the 80s and 90s. That you just, you know, you didn't throw that ball because you knew he was going to get killed. Now nobody cares. It's just like get the paddy wagon out, first down, penalty, let's go. Now, I know I made a bet, and, and there, was, there was that, but for some, some, wa- some way over the last 10, 12 years, 
the quarterback doesn't get the blame there anymore, and we're blaming the guy that's paid to stop the quarterback from throwing the ball and completing the pass. <laughs> it's it's mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing, actually, when you say it out loud. Let's take a break. We'll look at some of the best catches of the week that was. I have a feeling there'll be one specific catch to make that list. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Jimmy G, how about this? Christian McCaffrey getting dissed. Oh, everybody, rewind that. Look at Kittle. Kittle gave his hand out like four times hoping to get some love from one of the cheerleaders. And they were like, nah. Jimmy G. (laughs) Jimmy G is the one. Forget about the other guys who are actually contributing to the team winning game. The guy who's the impediment to championships is the one who, sorry, mean-spirited but accurate. All right. uh, Quarterbacks who have the most to prove with eight weeks left in the regular season and then the postseason beyond it. That's today's draft. Chris, you're up first. Give me the quarterback in your mind who has the most to prove or eight weeks to prove it, I guess, is the way that we officially phrased it. Either way, eight weeks left, and they better do something or they're going to be in deep doo-doo next year. Well, you know, I don't know if deep doo-doo next year classifies with this guy, but it, it, it's you know going to lessen the doo-doo around him all offseason. Russell Wilson's the guy I'm going to go with, you know? I mean, we know he's going to be good, but, man, if it's it looks like it's been looking and continues to be that down the stretch of the year, oh, my gosh, that's all we're going to talk about in the offseason is how bad he was, how bad he is, can he turn it around, the offense, Nathaniel Hackett, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be all that. And to me, that's the, we'll see because it's just it it it's as you know not not very good at that position. But, but I I don't I but for him yeah he's not the one who's going to pay the price. It's no. going to be Nathaniel Hackett. I, There'll be a new coach. It, there might be. I know, but it, you, you might not be like that. But there's still going to be pressure and us doubting him and people wondering if they should have made the move and all those type of things. And I don't know. That's just the one that I I feel like is. Got a lot riding on this, even though I know him not making the team or being cut is not really part of this conversation. But, yeah, you know, yeah oh, hey, I'm going to get my whole coaching staff fired because I've been shitty. I mean, that, that adds pressure to the situation, too, for him. <laughs> uh, but uh, financially, he will suffer nothing because right. he's got full guarantees into multiple years. I'm going to say Jimmy G mm-hmm. because, look, th- this is it. Free agency is coming. They can't tag him. That's part of the deal. When he restructured the contract to stay as the number two, and then in week two he becomes the number one when Trey Lance breaks an ankle. This is it for Jimmy G. This is your chance to prove that you can be a starter elsewhere or or maybe the 49ers. Would it be crazy if the 49ers keep him around for another year? No. But but if he's ever going to attract interest elsewhere to go be the starter, this is his chance to do it, Chris. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You're right. I mean, this is he's got to finish strong – Show everybody he's, to your point, what we talked about a few segments ago, he's not the problem with the team. I don't have to be managed. I can make some big plays and big moments and get us over the hump. You know, all that's going to go a long way to, yeah, his future prospects and how he's viewed by the rest of the league. I'm with you there, Mike, uh, for sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Marcus Mariota in there next, even though I feel like we're going towards the – I mean, it's kind of inevitable that they're going to be looking for a quarterback, but a little bit along the same lines as what you're talking about here. If he doesn't finish strong, 
he's got no chance of being a starter again unless somebody gets hurt. He's going to be relegated to backup quarterback for, forever. And, you know, again, last week, that game against Carolina last – I mean, that, that, was, that was concerning. I mean, to say the least. That, that was horrible football play, quarterback play. I mean, some decisions and things that were done where you go, is this your first game in the NFL or are we in year whatever it is right now? I just – I was shocked by that. But he's got a lot riding on this, this last, you know, eight weeks. And what makes it worse is the Falcons are not a team we're going to see on a regular basis in a standalone game where we can say, oh, God, what was that? you got to step up in those moments when everyone's paying attention and prove it to people. I'm going to go Baker Mayfield, who's back on the field now with P.J. Walker with that high ankle sprain. Mayfield, due to become a free agent, it hasn't worked in Carolina. If he's going to be a starter anywhere next year, he needs to seize this job. He needs to create a situation where they don't want to put P.J. Walker back on the field because Baker Mayfield is doing the things we saw Baker Mayfield do in 2020 and 2018. It's an even-numbered year. He should be good this year. He hasn't been yet. This is his last chance. And he may not have eight weeks to prove it. He may have one or two weeks. But high ankle sprain, he may have. Uh, Sam Donald's a guy who's got to worry about getting benched for, frankly, in the short term. But uh, this is his last chance, I think, yeah. to really prove it. One more round. We'll do that when PFT Live concludes right after this. Quarterbacks with eight weeks to prove it. Today's draft on PFT Live. Round three. Chris, what do you got? All right. Well, gosh, I mean, there's two here. I feel like am I missing a sexier pick or something here? I guess it's Jared Goff is the guy I'm going to go with here on this one. and, And again, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks maybe it's inevitable no matter what. But if they string together some wins... He plays well, makes some big throws and some clutch moments like he did last week. You know, maybe he can make it to where they go, you know, we're Jared Goff's our starter next year too. You know, it's, I, I don't think it's something I would do, but I've said before, and you heard me say it maybe yesterday, it's, it's really one of the better years of his career. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Thanksgiving, he's got a chance to show us all what he's got there, and we'll see if he can, you know, grasp a hold of that starting job for, for long term. Were you thinking about Daniel Jones as the other one? I was, though. No, yeah, I mean, I hear you. Daniel Jones, he's on my list. Davis Mills is on my list. That was yeah, probably the guy I would have thought of. I know, but that's, that's inevitable, too. Right. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah no. Goff- How about Matt Ryan? I'll go Matt Ryan. Okay. Because now, now that he's back, he's got all that guaranteed money next year. They have an out if he's healthy in the middle of March to move on from him. He could do enough. Hey, hey, if he helps Jeff Saturday get that job, do you think Jeff Saturday is going to throw him overboard as his first order of business? Hell no. Matt Ryan's going to get another year in Indianapolis if he helps Jeff Saturday get that job. Yeah. And based on what we saw last week, he's going to help Jeff Saturday get that job. They protected him a little better. They ran the ball. That's going to give Matt Ryan a chance. You know, He's one of those older quarterbacks. He needs a little formula like that to help him out a little bit. We're done. Thanks for some of your time. We did it. Thursday. See ya.